Welcome to Hypnotic History, the podcast about 20th century life in the United States. I'm Ashley. And I'm Logan. And today we're talking about Ben Cooper costumes. Before we get started talking about costumes, I am going to do that thing that all podcasters do and very quickly ask you to rate us on whatever platform you use to listen to us. There's a reason that all podcasters ask you to do this, and that is because the algorithm really likes it, and we like to keep the algorithm happy so it shows us to more people. Praise to the algorithm. We do all aspects of research and production ourselves, as you can probably tell when you listen to us. (laughs) And we do this in between our uh, day jobs, of which I know Wendy in particular has more than any other human on earth. So we need all the help we can get uh, to reach more people and rating us is the best way to do that. I've noticed that some people have already done that, and that is amazing. So thank you very much. So give us five stars. Uh, If you're not going to give us five stars, then you can just keep that in your heart. (laughs) (laughs) And God knows. (laughs) But if you want to give us five stars, do it officially on whatever app you listen to podcasts on. So without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. Today we're talking about not Halloween costumes in general, but one particular brand that had a stranglehold on the Halloween costume market for the better half of the 20th century. Um, They... Well, I would say about half of the 20th century when you add together all the decades. So, Logan, have you heard of Ben Cooper before? Uh, I believe I knew what they were without the name mm-hmm. because they're so iconic. Yes, they are. Uh, I first heard of Ben Cooper when I was in Spirit Halloween. It was last year, maybe the year before, and I saw some costumes being sold that looked like retro old school costumes and they were labeled Ben Cooper. And that kind of got me uh, interested in going back and looking into it. And you discovered they've been with us this whole time. Yes. <laughs> uh, ben Cooper costumes, even though they were around uh, long before this, if you think of the costumes from the 70s or the 80s, where it's just this cheap costume for kids that's got that plastic mask um, that with a little elastic string, That is uh, what the Ben Cooper costumes generally looked like. And I'm not sure if I had any. Uh, I know I had a Tweety Bird costume, and I've got pictures of that that I will be putting on Instagram. But it's possible that that was a different brand because the licensing jumped back and forth between Ben Cooper and another company. I can't remember if I had one or not. Like, I feel like I might have between the ages of, like, I don't know, four and seven, maybe even up to eight or nine, mm-hmm. might uh, a couple years had something similar. But I don't know if I'll, I'll have to see if mom can dig out some pictures yeah. and find any. My biggest memory of those co- that style of costume, uh, I remember the smell of the plastic. Yeah. Because it, it was, and even the uh, the part you wore was extremely cheap plastic, wasn't it? Like it yes. was, yeah. And the edges where it, where they cut out, for example, the mouth hole and the eye holes, oh, that was the terrible. edges were sharp. Yes. <laughs> 
and just cut like, into your face. Like it was like, ah, no, I'll just like wrap myself in newspaper and yes. come up with something. <laughs> and I think the only other thing I really remember about that style of costume is how sweaty you get oh underneath God, that plastic the, mask. The most unbreathable material on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like it's like worse than a sauna suit. Yeah, it really is. Maybe they should make sauna suits <laughs> out of that. <laughs> ben Cooper sauna suits. Yes. They'd be effective. Yes. Well, Ben Cooper Incorporated was founded in 1937, goes back that wow. far, in New York City, and it was founded by brothers Ben and Nat Cooper. It was initially created to be a costume company for vaudeville and masquerades. Okay. The brothers decided to transition from theater to makers of Halloween costumes because they didn't like making one costume at a time, and in the words of Ira's son, Nat Cooper taking the train to Chicago every time an actress busted a seam. <laughs> uh, that, would, that would wear you out. Ben Cooper originally studied to be an accountant, uh, and he was also briefly a songwriter for Tin Pan Alley. Okay. So he's, he's a real renaissance man. He began working with theatrical costumes in 1927, though, and he designed costumes for both the Cotton Club and the Ziegfeld Follies. However, Broadway and vaudeville suffered greatly during the Great Depression, and that may have been a contributing factor toward moving to Halloween costume design. The company was named after Ben, uh, in case you're wondering, because there's two two brothers. Why is it Ben Cooper? Yeah. Uh, Well, they had an arm wrestling match. (laughs) I was going to say the other one didn't bring enough to the table. Yeah. (laughs) Did they really have an arm wrestling match? No. I wanted that to be true. Actually, it was named after Ben because Nat had joined the officer candidate school um, to avoid being drafted into the infantry during World War II, while Ben had been given a deferment because he had a young son. Um, So at the time that the company was founded, well, actually, when it officially became Ben Cooper, Inc., Nat Cooper wasn't around. So here's the timeline. Ben Cooper took control of F.S. Fishbach, Inc., which had the license to produce Disney costumes in 1937. The two companies officially merged into Ben Cooper, Inc. in 1942, and this was while Nat Cooper was completing military service in Europe. So poor Nat uh, was serving for his country and didn't get his name on the company. Uh, yeah. It could have been Cooper Brothers. I was going to say, could have just, yeah, could have just called it Cooper Brothers. Yeah. Ben said, now is my chance. Yeah, I guess. Ben Cooper, Inc. <laughs> May, I, I wonder if it was, I don't know, even if the name is Cooper Brothers, I was thinking, well, if the uh, one brother's not available to like sign documents. Mm. Well, Cooper Costumes. Yeah, Cooper Costumes. Good alliteration. We should have been there. We should have. Uh, but I don't, I don't think Ben would have heard of it. You know, he wanted that. Uh, company named after himself, I guess. Uh, ben Cooper costumes, in case you have uh, no mental picture of one, we described them a little bit a moment ago, but they were typically a vinyl smock that fitted you loosely so that uh, they could just offer a few different sizes that would kind of fit all kids, <laughs> but not really. Kind of ingenious. Yes. Because it's, yeah, you just put that over top of your clothes. Like you just yes. wear pants, shorts, a shirt underneath of it. And it's, yeah. it's, it's good enough for one night of trick-or-treating. Yeah, that's about all it's going to last. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you pair this vinyl smock with a plastic mask that is the thinnest, cheapest plastic on earth. 
Um, and it is held onto your head with an elastic string. That is way too tight. Yeah, it is. That now, they should have had multiple sizes for. Like they That's true. <laughs> the big headline. <laughs> <laughs> now, something I didn't know was that some Ben Cooper costumes had a jumpsuit instead of a smock. Ooh. Yeah, those were the nicer ones. The picture of me in a Tweety Bird costume, I'm wearing a jumpsuit. But I don't know if that's something that came with the mask or if my mom just had little footy pajamas and yeah. that she put on me that happened to be yellow. Um, I'm not really sure. Ben Cooper costumes were sold in toy stores and in the seasonal sections of department stores. The cheaper smock-style costumes were sold at five-and-dime stores, whereas the more expensive jumpsuits made it to department stores. I find it interesting to think of costumes being sold in department stores. Yeah, that because yeah, it's really just food supermarkets. Yeah, supermarket type stuff. Or things like uh, when Kmart existed. I remember getting all my costumes at Kmart. Yeah. Um, unless my mom made it, but going to a department store sounds interesting uh, or different. But that's primarily where you would get costumes, unless you just went to a five and dime. Uh, it makes me think of there's an episode of Mad Men where, because, you know, I'm Mad Men obsessed, where uh, Don's kids want to go buy Halloween costumes. And Sally wants to go, I think it's to Wool's, Woolworth's. Woolworth's. I can't, I wanted to say it the old brother were right there. <laughs> Stay away. Out of the Woolsworth. Woolsworth. <laughs> <laughs> um, she wants to go to Woolworth's and get a Minnie Mouse pre made costume. And he says something like, they're plastic and they're crap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. No. <laughs> Which I, I do want, uh, maybe you're going to talk about this, but I, I imagine that was a little weird there for, because the first few generations, you just handmade yes. your costumes and now suddenly you're buying prepackaged costumes. Yeah, that yeah. would have been a shit. I could see the older generation being like, what do you mean? You make a cheap, ugly looking thing that's close that doesn't look anything like the actual thing and... You go with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, parent, the older generations may have thought that, but parents generally liked the costumes because they were inexpensive and ready-made. So even if you knew how to make a homemade costume, it was just easier oh, to go buy one. Last second, like how awesome that'd be. Of course, then it's like, oh, man, all I've got is uh, what was the toy that nobody wanted in Jingle All the Way? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Booster, maybe. Booster, so it's like, oh, I got to do this one because no, oh, the good one's oh, taken. No. Everybody took He Man. I've got to be Orco. Um, but yeah, that's true. That's why you don't wait until the last minute. That's when you throw on a sheet and say you're a ghost. <laughs> you're, a ghost. you're a floral patterned ghost. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they were pretty popular just because uh, people didn't want to have to make costumes. And buying one ready-made from a company like Ben Cooper wasn't a hardship because they were relatively inexpensive. Another difference between Ben Cooper costumes and more traditional Halloween costumes of that time is that they featured popular culture characters, which was very different because traditionally people dressed up as Halloween-y type characters yeah, like ghosts and, and witches and, ghosts, and devils. Yeah. yeah. Uh, costumes from Ben Cooper also notoriously had illustrations on the front of the smock or the jumpsuit that made them look a little weird if you were trying to dress up as that character. 
the best example I can give, and I have a picture of my brother wearing this. So if you get on Instagram, you'll be able to see that too, uh, up in the coming week is a spider. Think of a Spider-Man costume, but it has a picture of Spider-Man on, on the chest. Yeah. Cause you know, Spider-Man <laughs> wore a picture of himself on the chest it just looks weird. Uh, another example is that Batman suit had the word Batman written across the <laughs> chest. <laughs> in case you forgot. Yeah. I want I want there to be like in the multiverse MCU where they're going with that there's like one multiverse where like the Avengers all do that. Like Iron Man has Iron Man written across his chest and Captain America <laughs> has Captain America written there just uh. in case you don't know. You know, I saw this video on Instagram just yesterday. Uh, it was... I'm guessing from the 60s, just based on the style of everything, um, this guy was doing this woman's hair, and he, and I think I showed this to you, he spray-painted her, her name. Her name, and yes, in the back of, yes, in the back of her head on her hair. Yeah, so maybe that's what they should do, is just spray-paint their names on the back of their heads, just so you know who's who. Um, you know, if you don't want to go the Ben Cooper route. There is a reason, by the way, the, the costumes were like that instead of being more realistic depictions of what the characters themselves wore. According to Ira Cooper, uh, who, again, was Nat Cooper's son, or is Nat Cooper's son, quote, Ben saw the immense value in the costume front being a billboard for the character's most salient features. Had they gone for realism, with some notable exceptions, they would have lost that Look at me value of the costume that the child showed off one night per year. Mm. I guess that it would look kind of dull just to be, you know, a picture, especially since it's not the actual clothing the character wore. It's not a bat suit or a Spider-Man suit. Yeah. It's a plastic smock. It, yeah. So they wanted it to look vibrant and like kind of pop. So I guess that kind of makes sense. Or if it doesn't make sense, at least there was a reason. <laughs> there was a rationale. There is a rationale. Uh, ben Cooper costumes were not the only ones doing these kinds of costumes, though. So there's a chance if you've seen them, they might not have been Ben Cooper. Ira notes that, quote, there was a tremendous amount of sewing going on in the Lower East Side, and there had been at least a half a dozen or more mask companies in those days. Denison, a company that made crepe paper, started selling disposable Halloween costumes as early as 1916. I would love to get my hands on one of those. I can't imagine any still exist. Like, I am all about, you would be surprised, I'm true. all about disposable clothing. Not as like a way of life, but as a collectible. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had, and I think you probably remember me getting this. You I found the, a disposable dress. Yes, the paper dress. Uh-huh, uh, made by Scott Paper Towels, and it is really, really cool. So I imagine that that's kind of what the costumes were like, too. I hope they were as durable, because this dress is actually pretty durable. Uh, another company was Collegeville. They began making costumes in the early 1920s as a way to use excess material from their flag and apron company. Oh, clever. Their first costume was a clown, but like Ben Cooper, they also eventually gained licensed properties. In the late 30s, for example, they produced a Lone Ranger costume. Oh, I bet that was so sick. Like just a generic cowboy shirt and yeah. just a mask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's the one you want the licensing for. Yes. And one of the other big companies was called J. Halpern, and it later became Halco. 
So whenever I use J. Halpern and Halco, I'm just going to use those interchangeably. Hopefully I use them during the right time periods because uh, they are the same company. It was a toy novelty company, perhaps most well-known for cap guns. Uh, somehow they got into the costume industry. Got to go where the money yeah. is. <laughs> Halco's costumes also predate Ben Cooper's, and like Collegeville, they showcase licensed characters as early as the 1920s, such as Popeye, Olive Oil, and Wimpy. Halco also made Santa Claus suits for Christmas, so they're just getting their fingers in all the holidays. The rise of television in the 50s and the Cooper brothers' predictive acumen for what would become popular helps them stand apart from their competitors, though, because they were able to license characters from television um, that became critical for their company's success. So even though other companies were already doing licensed characters, Ben Cooper, Inc. was just really good at predicting which would be the very popular ones. Yeah, that'd be the trick. You'd want to know what, mm -hmm. what's going to be hot. In an October 1960 Associated Press article by Sid Moody, Harry Mursky from J. Halpern Company said, Oh, we still sell devil suits and witches and hobgoblins, but we're getting away from those weirdies. Television did it. Nowadays, kids don't want to be skeletons. They want to dress up like the characters they see on TV. Ira believes that the company's focus on Disney characters like Snow White and Mickey Mouse in the early years during the 30s and 40s uh, was a big catapult to the company's success. And their dealings with Disney opened doors to licensing other popular culture characters from radio and television. Uh, for example, one of their other big early licensing deals was Superman. Oh, there you go. I imagine there was a lot, a lot of Superman. Yeah. yeah. La Superman. <laughs> By the 1960s, Ben Cooper owned 70 to 80% of the Halloween costume market. That's incredible. It really is. During the 70s, costume makers focused more heavily on movies, and Ben Cooper in particular began making costumes based on Marvel and DC comic book characters as well. Uh, they also started looking to Saturday morning cartoons there you go. to license yeah. characters. But this was not, none of these were their big thing. What do you think their big licensing deal from the 70s was? I'm going to say Star Wars. It was. Yeah. Ben Cooper famously negotiated a licensing deal for Star Wars. And this was rather easy because it was an era before cosplay and widespread memorabilia collection. Um, I believe that... Uh, was it Kenner? Yeah, yeah, Kenner. I was thinking this is probably going to be similar to the Kenner story. So, actually, it is different. Oh. Uh, so, it's different in a couple of ways. I believe that the negotiations for Kenner to get the toy rights were kind of um, fraught. I don't know if fraught's the right word, but it was involved in complex, maybe. But the costume rights to Ben Cooper, it was a really easy deal because cost Halloween costumes and dressing up uh, for as characters for whatever event just wasn't as much of a thing, I guess. It was just little kids at Halloween. Yeah. So they didn't think too much about licensing it out. The other thing that made it different was that Kenner was not prepared. Uh, Kenner, the toy company that made Star Wars toys, 
they were not able to sell the Star Wars toys that Christmas. So they couldn't make them that. Yeah, they sold like a cardboard. Yes. You, you got the <laughs> a placeholder. So Star Wars came out in 1977. In Christmas of 1977, Kenner was only able to sell an empty box that had a Star Wars toy voucher in it. Kids love that. <laughs> yeah, vouchers, baby. That's what the kids love. <laughs> the Christmas I got an IOU. <laughs> But it worked. It, I mean, it, it, it I mean, came kind together. Of, I guess it worked out in the end. Um, but Ben Cooper, they just went on faith that it was going to be big and started producing the costumes. So they were not caught out. Man, that I, what a gamble! Because like, it's easy for us to, at this point to be like, "Yeah, Star Wars, that was going to be money." Yes. But I think even when the movie first came out, probably the first week or so. I don't think anybody could have predicted mm-hmm. what Star Wars was going to become. Yeah, I agree. Like it it that that's an impressive gamble that paid off. Yeah, and it was a gamble because the company had to start costume production 8 to 10 months before October. Um so not just with Star Wars but with anything they licensed, they just had to make what they hoped were fortunate guesses as to what would be popular. And Star Wars hadn't even been released yet when Ben Cooper acquired it. Wow. Yeah, so they, they were making costumes before the movie was even in theaters. By 1979, Ben Cooper was the largest Halloween costume company in the United States, and Star Wars had a big part to play in that. But, you know, everything we talk about seems like I'm always picking topics where things don't go so well, but maybe that's just life. Eventually the bottom falls out. Yeah. The center can't hold. Trick-or-treating was hit hard for everyone in 1982, when a girl and six adults near Chicago died from taking Tylenol that had been laced with cyanide. Uh, In case you're wondering, no one really knows who did this. We still don't know who did this. It happened a month before Halloween, and parents nationwide worried that if this could happen with Tylenol, it could happen much more easily with candy. A New York Times article from December of that year reported that candy sales dropped anywhere from 20 to 50% that Halloween season. According to Ira Cooper, it was a lot of shift for a lot of things, but the culture was also threatened. It might have been that it really propelled the indoor party and the eventual enormous rise in the adult market that, to a great extent, Ben Cooper missed. As a reaction to 1982's slumping Halloween sales, Ben Cooper, Inc. and seven other Halloween costume manufacturers, along with the Toy Manufacturers of America, created the Halloween Celebration Committee in 1983, which released a pamphlet titled, 13 Great Ways to Celebrate Halloween. Number one, wear a costume. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, really digging deep there. I feel like we should have saved that one. That's that's Yeah, well, that number one part is just me adding it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just guessing. (laughs) It's got to be on the list. Yeah, buy a Ben Cooper costume. (laughs) Uh, The spirit of Halloween will grant you stronger powers if you have a Ben Cooper costume. Yes. (laughs) But even as kids returned to trick-or-treating, companies like Ben Cooper suffered for another reason— their costume quality. As more adults started celebrating Halloween, the costume market began catering to their desire for higher quality costumes. I can't imagine an adult wearing a Ben Cooper (laughs) costume. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. A little plastic mask and smock. (laughs) That'd be adorable, though. (laughs) Can you imagine the smocks like adult sizes? Like how big that would be? (laughs) 
The company did make cloth costumes, but they were more expensive to make, and they were on hangers rather than in boxes, which meant that you had, since you had to hang them up, they took up more room in a store. Um, additionally, latex masks became more popular than the cheap plastic ones. I distinctly remember uh, one Halloween, I got together with these kids I knew, and then I think it might, it was a friend of theirs or their cousin, I can't remember, and we were all piled in the back of their mom's van, and the uh, cousin friend, <laughs> he had a Freddy Krueger latex mask, oh, and wow. I had to not only sit next to him, but I was like squished up against Ooh. him, and I was so freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's pretty pretty lifelike. Uh, yeah. And I wasn't very old either. Um, but man, that freaked me out. So smell. when I think of those latex costumes, I think of Freddy Krueger. And yes, the, the latexy latex smell. <gasps> Another blow to the company was the destruction of one of the Ben Cooper manufacturing plants. A January 1989 fire at Ben Cooper's Roseville, Georgia plant destroyed two to three million dollars in product. Oh no. And on top of this, their insurance company did not honor their claim because they asserted that Ben Cooper Inc. misrepresented their total damages. Oh. Yeah. By the late 1980s, as will come as no surprise, Ben Cooper had filed bankruptcy twice. Ruby's Costume Company bought Ben Cooper in 1992. Ruby's didn't keep the name, but they did hold on to the hundreds of licenses Ben Cooper had acquired across more than 50 years of business. Ira Cooper, his daughter Shifra, and whose name I hope I'm saying right, sorry if I get it wrong, because you know she's listening, <laughs> and costume historian John James Miller. I Okay, this is iffy, but I did read this article, so I'll just share with you what the article said. The article was from 2016, and it said that these three people acquired Ben Cooper back from Ruby's in that same year. Miller said, Ira and Shifra and I have been going out there and touching base with people. They just really remember the aesthetic when Halloween was a kid-friendly holiday and what it was really about. Early memories of childhood and pop culture coming to its own in this country and really taking this massive market share. The same article mentioned that they had a website and the website was going to sell uh, things other than costumes. Uh, but I, the costume, or not the costume, the link to the costume store didn't work. Um, and when I searched around for it, I couldn't find anything. And Spirit Halloween, just like it did a few years ago when I first saw it, they still sell costumes labeled Ben Cooper. And when you look at the box, it says buy rubies. It was a ghost link. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, the article said that they acquired Ben Cooper back from rubies, but maybe then it reverted back again, or maybe the deal wasn't quite settled and didn't go through. I'm not sure. Um, but they must be owned by Ruby's today because that's what the um, packaging in the store said. So if you want some Ben Cooper costumes, go down to Spirit Halloween because uh, they're the ones that have them. Or I guess maybe uh, the Ruby's website probably has them too. In case you're wondering what happened to the other costume companies that were very similar to Ben Cooper, Collegeville also suffered financially during the 80s and early 90s, fell into debt. And on top of this, 
had to pay penalties for selling costumes that did not comply with the Flammable Fabrics Act. Oh, yeah, that 100% asbestos outfits will do that to you. <laughs> yeah. Or wait, 0% asbestos. I got that backwards. <laughs> it made them out of gasoline. Yes. Well, you know, uh, those oil slickers <laughs> that you've got. The, the uh, Collegeville Company was acquired by Ruby's Costume Company as well. Uh, it was acquired at auction in 1996. Meanwhile, Jay Halpern merged with a company called Kusen Inc. in 1967, and the Jay Halpern division closed in 1977. However, Halco, um, which in a roundabout way they became, I'm fuzzy on the details, it's still around, and it, may, it still makes Santa Claus suits. It also makes elf costumes and Easter Bunny suits. So they don't do Halloween costumes, I guess, but they do these seasonal... They branched out to the other holidays. Yeah. The other big characters. Yep. I wonder if the Easter Bunny has a picture of himself on his chest. (laughs) Or Santa. (laughs) Santa just says Santa. Santa. Across the front. So with the proliferation of all these costume companies, particularly um, from the 50s to, I'd say, the 80s seemed to be a big heyday, or maybe just the 70s, Everything was made to a costume. So I am going to read off some statements about the costumes that were being made, and I want you to tell me whether you think they're true or false. Okay. Okay? The Superman costume came with a warning label. True. True. There was a warning on the Superman costume that said, remember, this suit will not make you fly. Only Superman can fly. (laughs) This was a response to a child who dressed as Superman, jumped out of a high window, and felt his death in 1979. I was hoping you were going to say, like, broke his arm or something. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Ben Cooper, Inc. predicted the creation of Spider-Man. Uh, False. It's true. Oh. Ben Cooper released a Spider-Man costume in 1954, predating the Marvel hero by nearly a decade. Spider-Man, by the way, was introduced in Marvel Comics Amazing Fantasy number 15 in 1962. Upon his appearance, Ben Cooper acquired the rights, and this was Marvel's first merchandising deal. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ben Cooper created costumes for kids to dress up like Andy Taylor, Barney Fife, Opie Taylor, and Aunt B. Oh, yes. No. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> Those would have been good, though. <laughs> yeah, I like Otis. Yeah, I want, I want my kid you to be the town drunk. <laughs> 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 Comes with a little flask, a bottle it can carry around. I do like the idea that they would acquire Andy Griffith properties, but it would only be those side characters like Otis or the barber. Yeah. Or the, um, oh, I can't remember her name, the Andy dated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, only I the side characters. Either. How about this? There were costumes that let kids just... Oh, let me say that again. There were costumes that let kids dress up like Laverne and Shirley. Yes. Yes. Licensed properties included characters from not only Laverne and Shirley, but Joni Loves Chachi, Welcome Back Cotter. Are little kids dressing up? <laughs> I wonder if the, all of those shows were part of the same production company. Oh, maybe. And it was sort of like a package deal. Well, it wasn't just that they got the licensing, but they did actually produce the costumes. Yeah. So, um, the Beverly Hillbillies, Bewitched, <laughs> Dark Shadows, which I want so bad, The Six Million Dollar Man, 
Little House on the Prairie, Land of the Lost, James Bond, and The Planet of the Apes. And that's just Ben Cooper. If we're talking Collegeville, I was just going to make each of these individual, but I'm just going to, for the sake of time, I'll read them as a list. And even this isn't an exhaustive list. Collegeville made costumes for The Outer Limits, Star Trek, Lassie, Flash Gordon, Casper the Friendly Ghost, Mad Magazine mascot Alfred E. Newman, Battlestar Galactica, Kiss, Mighty Mouse, and The Lord of the Rings. Well, Kiss would not be- miss an opportunity for licensing. No. <laughs> like, they're, they're going to get a piece of that pie. Halco had costumes based on The Man from Uncle. Okay. I Love Lucy, Dick Tracy, G.I. Joe, Cleopatra, and Tom and Jerry. Ben Cooper, how about this one? Ben Cooper sold a costume of John F. Kennedy. Yes. Yes. JFK and Jackie costumes were made at a very bad time. Oh. They were produced in 1963. Oh. And they were subsequently destroyed en masse by the company after Kennedy's assassination. Yeah. Parents balked when Ben Cooper produced a costume based on an R-rated movie. Oh, they didn't do that. They did. Oh, my gosh. Parents were upset when the company started selling a costume based on the R-rated movie Alien. Uh, In case you're wondering, the costume itself was of the alien. Mm -hmm. And the alien has a picture of of itself on the smock. Perfect. Not a joke. It really does. (laughs) That movie would have been a lot less scary if that had been the way the alien actually looked. Parents were also upset that Ben Cooper released a serial killer line that included Jason and Freddy Krueger. You know, you could have done that without calling it serial killers. Like, (laughs) do you think that that's true? Uh, true. Yeah. No, it's not. I would have done it. How about this one? A Ben Cooper Green Hornet costume sits among the items in Ed Lorraine Warren's occult museum. Uh, sure. Nope. Oh. Ben Cooper also made toys. Yes. Yes. These included something called jigglers, which were rubber creatures like bats and skeletons that jiggled as you bounced them up and down on a string. Okay. Later, jigglers included licensed characters like superheroes. Another toy was called creature people, which were rubbery figures that looked like a cross between, you guessed it, creatures and people. (laughs) Okay. How about this one? Ben Cooper Inc. was the first company to trademark the term superhero. No. They were. Wow. This occurred when it started marketing a superhero line in the mid-60s. So who knew that Ben Cooper had this much tie to comic books? That, that is pretty wild, yeah. Because they trademarked the term superhero. Um, they also had a Spider-Man before Spider-Man existed. And when they licensed Marvel's Spider-Man, it was Marvel's first licensing deal with anybody. Uh, so it's just really interesting the way it intersects with the comic books. Okay, one more. Okay. True or false? Costume companies tried to work around licensing issues by making generic copies of licensed characters. Oh, true. True. And they yeah, still do they this still today. Do. I yes. love looking at the generic costumes. That, that might be my favorite thing about the Spirit of Halloween or Halloween City or whatnot is when they have the clearly, like, that's clearly Austin Powers, but it's like, 60s groovy man. Yes. <laughs> like that, that is my, I love those. I love those too. 
As Universal Monsters moved from company to company, Ben Cooper and Collegeville would continue to make costumes based on their monsters, even if they didn't have the license. These were changed ever so slightly, like Collegeville's The Monster, which was really just a Frankenstein knockoff. Yeah. So uh, if you're interested, not only, you know, again, can you still get some Ben Cooper costumes today, but they are collectibles, uh, even though they are very cheaply made. And I can't imagine that any of them worn by actual kids survived yeah, Halloween night. That, that abuse. <laughs> There's no way. There are unopened or barely used wow. costumes on eBay. Um and I really like the Spider-Man one. It looks kind of like Spider-Man, but it's yellow instead of red. Yeah. Uh. But I like some of the other weird ones, too. Um, and I've been seeing on Instagram since it's Halloween season, people have been posting all the really weird, bizarre uh, Ben Cooper and Collegeville costumes of the time i don't know what little kid is like me and my friend are going to be laverne and shirley that's right i want to be squiggy <laughs> yeah <laughs> no one wants to be squiggy uh, i'm sure somebody does oh, somebody wants to be squiggy yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well if you want to be squiggy uh, get on ebay and get yourself a costume because that's pretty much the only way to get these now but they do still exist That's all for us today. Thank you for listening. Please help us grow by giving us a five-star rating on your listening platform and follow us on Instagram by searching for hypnotic.history or by clicking the link in the episode description. Until next time, listeners, peace and love.